Want to modernize your veterinary practice by offering virtual care to pet owners? You can do that with Medici. The Veterinarian Success Podcast is sponsored by Medici. That's M-E-D-I-C-I. Medici is a telehealth solution built for veterinarians and physicians. Visit medici.md backslash vets or call 512-967-6454 to learn more. Hi, this is Dr. Aaron Smiley, and I've offered telemedicine to my clients since I started practice. In 2017, I integrated paid telemedicine with Medici. Medici lets you text, call, and video chat with clients with their easy-to-use app, send and receive images and videos of pets, stay VCPR compliant, and get paid for delivering convenient care right from your phone. Ready to go virtual? Visit medici.md backslash vets. That's M-E-D-I-C-I dot M-D backslash V-E-T-S or call 512-967-6454 to learn more. With that, let's dive into the show. Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Today, I'm joined by Kevin Maher, founder and president and Sydney C., operations manager of Vet Measure, whose home base is in the Midwest as well at Iowa State, the research park. Vet Measure is the first non-invasive pet health and vitals monitoring device designed to help veterinarians better monitor recovering patients. Kevin and Sydney, thank you so much for joining me today. So I'd like to kick things off with a question. And Kevin, I chuckled with your reply when we chatted initially to set up this podcast on what was the one piece of data that you wish that you could collect that you haven't been able to collect yet with the device? Well, just for fun, I thought it might be interesting to compare the pet's IQ to the pet owner's IQ and see if there's some kind of a ratio there that would lead to some conclusions that might be of benefit to the veteran practice. Yeah, I think that probably would be some of the best data that a practice could pool to help select kind of who they want to spend more time with and who maybe don't want to spend as much time with, especially as everyone seems to be so darn busy, which is a blessing in the world that we live in today. But yeah, I love that answer because I did not expect it initially when I asked. I was like, that's a great Great response. But a more serious note, just to set the stage for the further discussions, can you, Kevin, share a little bit of the mission of what Vet Measure is trying to accomplish and where you see it moving into the future? Our mission statements is that on our website uh, is to become the most trusted patient monitored by veterinary professionals. And what our goal really is, along with that, supporting our mission statement is that we wanted to find a pathway to improve the technology options in a veterinary practice that would help the veterinarians and techs and staff real-time monitoring of key vitals, patients when they come in the door or at pro-surgery or during any time that they really want to have real-time non-invasive monitoring of that patient. So that's where we started and that's what our motivation was. And today it's just focused on canines, correct? That's kind of where... Because I know we talked about that there may be future iterations that kind of address other species, but can you share why the focus there initially versus maybe another species or another area? I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the canine population in the U.S. is quite large. And the number of households, I think, is in the 65% of the households have at least one pet. And canine leads the numbers, and I feel like the numbers are getting close. But we've decided to start with canine because that species we had a device, a collar we started with that was really tuned to that species. And then we decided that uh, we would focus in that arena. Yeah, it makes sense just from like the addressable market as far as what's out there. And dogs are probably a little bit easier to work with maybe initially than cats as well. So you just mentioned it a second ago from a collar 
that you started out with, and then you've moved to a harness. And I think that iteration and change is important to understand. Can you share some of the research and findings of why that adjustment was made? Yes, we started with a prototype that was a collar configuration, and the collar was designed for measuring temperature, pulse rate, heart rate, respiratory inactivity. And so really, one of our top metrics that we learned from our studies and from also research data from veterinary practices is that temperature ranks up there pretty high. And so if we could not obtain a reliable temperature, that was going to be a showstopper for us. So we did a lot of iterations with the collar, and then we decided to a harness configuration around the thoracic cavity. So we were actually getting axillary temperature readings, which is under the armpits of the dog, and with four sensors per side rather than just one or two. And then we're able to get more accuracy and consistency compared to rectal. And then we had a study published that proved that that was a much more reliable way to measure the temperature. So outside of temperature, what else, like key metrics that the harness is basically able to communicate back or pull off the dog today? Yes, we also measure heart rates and respiratory rates, and we can live stream ECG data. And we also have ambient temperature and ambient humidity capabilities with our system. So we can have a heat stress, heat stroke type warning, ultimately with those additional metrics. And then can you talk a little bit about, you talked about collar to harness and some of the reasons for that, but I mean, the world of wearables, I've heard this story a couple different times from people like, hey, that's right now, if you look at humans, we have Apple Watches, we have all these wearables and the same thing in the pet industry, like this is going to be the next trend to make sure that the health of this family member is going to be better. Can you talk about maybe some of the challenges of all these different wearables that are out in the market and the challenges it faces to veterinarians when they see those? Sure. The veterinary profession, really our focus has been to educate and to have the veterinary profession be the innovators, the educators, the validators of the product. Whereas we found that many of the wearables that are out there are focused on the consumer market, on the pet owners. And so in my background, my history, I've worked with the veterinary profession for 30 plus years, bringing innovation to the profession. And so our focus really has been on trying to build that knowledge and trust because we do see it to be a challenge when a collar device is purchased online by a client and they bring it into the practice and ask questions and there's not data to support the device that the veterinarian can relate to that or has seen published that could be a validator for that to be a useful tool. So anyway, we just took a much different approach. And again, this is trying to recall from our last discussion, but having some integrations as far as being able to take the data that's pulled off of the harness today and actually integrate that into the practice, that's part of the development and on the device today. Am I remembering that correctly? Or is that on the kind of roadmap for the future? We have, that's partially on today. And then our roadmap is to continue to fulfill the integration pathway that's needed for practice management and for telehealth companies. Yeah, I think that to me is a huge differentiator too, is just to be able to have that connectivity so that A, you understand it, know that it's valid, and then B, that you can actually see the information and use it versus having someone come and say, hey, look at this, what does it mean? So Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. Sydney, I know we've kept you pretty quiet since we welcomed you on. I wanted to switch gears a little bit and ask you a couple different questions on how today do veterinarians use the product? Can you touch on a couple maybe examples or case studies? And then let's talk a little bit more about the app and kind of how that can be customized or used and in, in the integration and just usability of it. 
Yeah, so I get the fun part of getting to talk to a lot of the vets and techs that are using the technology, which is super exciting. And then they also have a lot of hard questions for me that one of my favorites is like, well, can I use it for this? Can I do it for this? And I'm like, if the vitals that we're measuring, yes, of course, go for it. But a lot of the common use cases, and we advertise and market a lot for post-surgery just because that's a very critical time in the patient's life, post-anesthesia. So a couple of specific examples that I have are even with a heart arrhythmia patient. So the person that I had or that I was talking to was in charge of basically the surgery recovery unit. And she would put it on some of the patients she was most concerned about because she only had a few of the harnesses available. And heart arrhythmia patients were one of her bigger examples. So she could monitor that ECG live from at least within 20 feet of the animal. And then she could get alerts to the heart rate if that changed as well. And then another example would be like if the patient had to be sedated again during surgery those are always ones you want to keep an extra eye on. So a lot of these are some of the more critical care, the ones that you're going to be a little bit worried about. You're going to want to monitor them more frequently. So they'll put the harness on as they're waking up and then they'll put them in the recovery unit and set the alerts, highs and lows for each vital. So temperature, heart rate, respiratory rate, and then they can get alerted automatically for any changes if they go outside of those safe ranges, whether it be text or on the app. So speaking of the app, We are available on the Google Play Store and the Apple Store. And then we also have a web app as we've found that it's pretty common for a monitor or a computer to be in the surgery unit for some of our bigger clinics, which is exciting because then you can just pull up every patient and have their view of each of their vitals highlighted in red if they are outside of the safe range right there in the clinic or in the surgery unit. So pretty convenient and we want to make sure efficiency is there and you can get access to the patient's vitals right away without having to get them out and kind of disrupt them and use manual measurements. Got it. And you had shared a stat and I'm putting you a little bit on the spot. What was the hour range like after surgery? And it was like a much higher propensity for them to pass away or have complications. Yeah. Yep. I think you're thinking of the one I said. So it's, this is from, I believe, AHA organization. So they said that 47 to 60% of Deaths in the clinic occur within the first three hours post-surgery or post-anesthesia. I was like, I can't remember, but I know (laughs) know if I ask, you'll remember kind of where I was going with that. Yeah. So I think just from a marketing perspective to talk about a standard of care and how much more that you can do for a client to say, hey, we're going to watch after your family member to make sure that we are monitoring as much as we can constantly after this big surgery. They're paying a lot for that to happen. You want to make sure that you can give them updates and just show that, hey, this is part of what we're doing. And you brought this up, or I think it's on the website, and we've kind of chatted about this. I know it's still very early. Obviously, we've been talking about first production run coming on later this year, developed it and launched it at VMX, but the return on investment, and again, being the finance person, I always am like, ooh, this is interesting. Like, Mm -hmm. tell me more about that. That seems like an interesting way, but can you share some of the studies and research that you all put together on kind of what the harness could be as far as like a return to those that are adopting the technology? Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely talk about some of the stuff that we kind of anticipate happening. So one big one is just overnight monitoring. So a lot of clinics don't do it or they don't staff overnight. So they don't like to keep patients if they don't have to, or they're close enough to a surgery or emergency clinic. But overnight monitoring. So I looked a lot at the well-managed practice benchmark study of 2017, actually. And they kind of advertise that you can charge an average of $15 extra for an overnight stay if there is continuous monitoring on that animal. And 
the harness is a good example of that because you can get the vitals and you can look at them like if the vet was at home or if you had a technician that was on call for overnight that they were getting the alerts to the animal and then they would be the one that goes in. So that's one thing of just kind of being able to overnight monitor and then you can charge for that. So if you had a couple patients per month, that would add up quickly that stay overnight. Another thing is for ROI of the harness just in general, it's eliminating the need for the tech to always go back every 10 minutes or every five minutes to go check on the vitals and take them manually, which takes five minutes depending on if the patient's behaving. Sometimes it even takes more than one tech. So we looked at a lot of how long it takes a tech to measure those vitals. And then we kind of focused on the temperature, heart rate, respiratory rate. And then we even looked at a little bit of like the capillary refill time because that's a big one. Yeah, especially if there was going to be more than one person, if the dog was really rowdy, that's another thing we've heard of. Oh, this would be good for a dog that's not going to tangle up cords because the harness is wireless. But we looked at that and we averaged it out. And then on our website, a clinic can fill out specifically We have this many techs monitoring vitals for this long. It takes them approximately this long. And then it will save this amount of time. And then you can relate that to adding on maybe another surgery that day because that tech has the extra time to do that. So it's a little complicated right now (laughs) as we start to narrow down and get more data in. But that's the kind of ROI we're looking at with this device. We kind of jump through the app real quick. But one of the things I remember that was really unique is just being able to customize the ranges depending on the dog that's there, whether it's, hey, young, healthy, maybe a one-off type of situation versus maybe an older, overweight. You can customize and adjust some of the functionality. Am I correct in remembering that? Yeah, you can customize those safe ranges. Otherwise, in the future, we actually want to implement where we have a lot of that data. So we have, say, bulldogs are usually this temperature, this heart rate, and then you put in the breed and then it's going to generate that for you. But right now, yeah, everything's just customizable. Yeah, that's fantastic. And again, it's almost like the same way that like Google with their search algorithm is going to learn on itself. Mm -hmm. You can do the same thing as you collect more data and pull it. So more people use it, it's going to be a better device in the future. Absolutely. I love that. You talked about a lot of conversations and fun different questions that people ask. Anything that sticks out that you've had recently with someone that you're like, ooh, that was a really interesting conversation that you think would be relevant to share? Yeah, absolutely. At VMX, we had some interest and I followed up with them quite a bit and they really were comparing a Holzer monitor to our device as well, just because it's more versatile and it can be used post-surgery versus just monitoring the heart and then getting that data sent back to them. And all of our data, not only does it show you on the app, but it also saves and then they can be sent out in a report. So then you can add that to your patient's profile and your practice management software which is exciting because then you can go back and look at that and see, hey, this animal had a surgery. This one a week later had the same surgery. Let's compare how they did in recovery in case maybe something happened or you just wanted to know more of that information. So things like that come up where, yeah, people are like, hey, can you use it for this? Or I was looking at this device. How does yours compare? And then we balance them out. And it's super interesting to hear what people come up with. But that's definitely one that stuck out for me was, how it's a little bit more versatile than some of the other monitors that either have the cords or the alligator clips, or you have to request the data be sent to you instead of just seeing it on an app. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. And Kevin, Sydney, I'm not sure who wants to take this one and maybe both can as far as we talked a little bit about the future vision, but is there, you know, if you had to say, Hey, this was where we'd go after we've honed in and locked in on the canine harness, where would you go next? Do you have any thoughts? I know you're trying to just get one thing done and then move on, but kind of that longer term vision? Yeah, I'd say the focus after we get our launch well underway in the veterinary profession would be that we consider additional species. We do get a lot of questions about cats. 
And obviously, we need to do quite a few changes to be able to get it to that size and the reliability and just different challenges that you have in feline. We've received interest in foals and dairy calves, beef calves, birth to weaning in both cases. So you have a non-invasive, continuous monitoring of potentially subclinical signs before they actually turn into a respiratory issue or something that is really delaying that animal's growth or actually having an impact on their production, productivity of that uh, animal. So we're really focused on canine, yeah, obviously. And as we move from the U.S. market, we do have interest in other countries. So there's certainly a global opportunity for us to expand this in canine to other countries as we get research with livestock species. Again, this has been years in the making, but there's a lot of other things that you can take, maybe the core concepts that you learn on the canine side and then develop it out over time. But again, you want to be really good at one thing before you try to be all things to all people, which is which is smart to stay focused on what it is that you guys do best. So we did talk, we've kind of mentioned a couple of different times about VMX earlier this year, had good feedback, kind of launching a product in the midst of a global pandemic is never easy. And there's definitely been challenges from that. Can you talk a little bit about things that you've learned in those conversations at VMX, the reception, but then also any adjustments or changes? I know, Sydney, that's probably more in your area too. So feel free to, whoever wants to take that as far as like the design of the product. I don't know how much feedback and adjustments from a design perspective you take because I think at any time someone will give you all kinds of feedback and it could be, hey, that's great that this is your opinion, but that's actually terrible feedback. We would never make that change versus it's really constructive and that will help us. As far as VMX goes, we met lots of veterinarians from, I think we recorded over seven or eight countries and visitors to our booth. Lots of interest and intrigue about our unique approach. So that was reassuring. We also have discussions early discussions with potential distribution partners, either animal health or food or just in general distribution. So we felt that the overall interest in in our unique product is certainly strong in building. So our goal is to increase that. We're, we've been working on our marketing strategy to increase our awareness and help get people to further engage and understand more about how this can make a difference within your practice. My previous company that I sold a couple of years ago, Global VetLink, GVL, uh, it's a SaaS business for veterinarians in all 50 states, for all 50 state veterinarians, plus practicing veterinarians for regulatory compliance. And so I had the company all ready to go and went to Florida and launched it at the Florida Veterinary Medical Association annual conference. And two days into the conference, we finished the conference and went down. We had practices that had committed for appointments all over the state. And within 12 hours or so after we finished the conference, we were at the first practice and the veterans were all standing outside and they said, what's going on? They said, did you hear what happened? And I said, we didn't have the radio on, any news on this morning. And they told us about the story about 9-11. It's under, mm. and we were just stunned. And so this company I launched in January and we had the pandemic following it. So... <laughs> Tell me when you're launching your next one. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've been people are asking me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I know I'm not the first one to say that, but no, that's wild. And yeah, trying to have any sort of thoughtful conversation after everything that happened on 9-11. Yeah, I can know exactly where I was at and what happened. And yeah, just comparing stories with friends. It's interesting because everyone can remember very vividly all that. 
Yeah. And so we monitor like a lot of newsletters and stuff that vets can get. And so we get all those too. And then for a month or so there when the pandemic hit, it was kind of like, oh, things are slowing down. We're worried about the economic benefit for veterinarians. And then a couple of months later, they're busier than ever because people are at home with their pet, which is what we're all assuming. But people are at home with their pet all the time. And then they kind of look at them more and they're like, hey, that doesn't look right. And then now they're taking them to the veterinarians more. I actually just talked to a tech today that we have harnesses at their clinic about this. And I was like, Hey, how, like, are you guys super busy? And he's like, Oh my gosh, Sydney, like we are so busy. Everyone's bringing it, you know? And so that's just super interesting. And it's nice for the professional industry to be able to kind of withstand some of the economic things that other industries struggle with. Yeah. And this is, again, I'd written and shared articles from the great financial crisis about how resilient veterinary medicine was. And then initially with this, I was like, well, this is the one that's going to be very different just with how COVID's going to impact everything. And it's wild to see how many people have had banner months and best ever in 20 some years and through like June, July. And that to me is just really interesting. I look at kind of your business and think about these pandemic puppies. There's going to be a lot of harnesses that need to, to be put on these dogs over the course of time. So yeah, there are definitely people that are looking at their pets as part of their family going through this, spending all the time at home. It definitely, I think, has changed the perception of the, that family pet if they weren't already that key member of the family, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. As we kind of wind down, I want to hear from both of you on just thinking about like a soapbox topic or maybe something we haven't touched on that you wish more veterinarians understood better. And it can be about vet measure. It can be about what you do. It can be about anything in general. I just like to kind of open it and let you have the floor and talk about whatever's kind of on your mind. Uh, Just might relate back to the uh, beginning of my previous business, GVL, Global Vet Link. It was bringing new technologies to veterinary practices. Some of them only had uh, DOS computers and so to update them to Windows, update them to online. A lot of practices weren't online at that point. And how do they get online? How, what kind of, do they buy a modem? Do they do a dial-up? What options are out there? So when you work with a veterinary profession, I love working with a veterinary profession. That's why I've stayed with us all these years because they're great people, high integrity and they are not the fastest to convert to new technology in some practices, other practices are. So in general, it seems like really our mission is to help them understand how they can advance their practice and improve patient care and improve efficiency with technology. And so I guess my comment would be that I don't run the, run the vet profession down at all. I'm just saying that there's segments within the veterinary profession that could certainly benefit from being more open to innovation and being more open to what possibilities are there that can really improve and differentiate my practice from my neighbor. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I'm very new to the industry. I just graduated from Iowa State University a couple of years ago. But yeah, I definitely see the poll. And I think one of the first conferences I went to in the industry would be where they talked about how vet med is behind human medicine and technology about, I think they said like 18 to 20 years. And then you kind of break it down and you think of why. And I think some of the new stuff that came out maybe wasn't as accurate or they're so busy that they don't make time to implement the new technology that's overall going to help them, which then hurts us trying to come up with some new technology every once in a while, because then we don't know exactly what changes to make and where to make the tweaks because we aren't as in many facilities as we wish we could be to get that information to be able to make those changes quicker. And I've heard it a lot in recent webinars also where we got to all, all of us innovators need to work together 
and then get the industry on board as a whole to be able to make any of these changes and overall get the industry to keep going forward quicker. Yeah, I think even just what I've seen from a financial advisors, like even kind of in my business, like financial planning, there's a lot of people that just don't like change. And I think that's just in human nature. Like if it works, it isn't broken. I don't need to change, even if it can improve and make you better at what you do. And it can free up time and you could even make more. And that's one of the things I actually love about veterinary medicine is it's not about, hey, I'm going to make X more for doing this. Even though we still talked about return on investment, it's literally like this is a higher standard of care. I can save a dog from passing away. I can do better. Like I think that's going to be the ultimate driver is I can improve how I operate and work. And ultimately, that to me is partially why I love veterinary medicine too, is just seeing that, like there's a true passion for it. So that's very data driven. And I think it'll be interesting as you have more conversations and we might have to have a round two where you come back on and share the updates as far as where it's at, as you get more data and as you have more time out in the field to hear the feedback and what changes maybe you've made. But no, I appreciate that. I think that's very, very needed to just embrace technology. And it's not necessarily chasing the shiny object because you can also distract yourself a lot by just going and chasing everything. And you've been a good example of that. You could have tried to make a harness for every species out there and say, you know what, we'll make them all and see which one sticks and we'll chase that one because that's the one that's going to get acceptance and not do it as well and be as focused. So there is a fine line there, but I think that's a very, very good point. For those that are interested, that want to learn more, where would you send them? How do they reach out to you? Where's all the good places that they want to go? And I'll link to all this stuff as well in the show notes. Yeah, our website would be the first place to go. We have videos. We have a lot of information on the website. So if they would go to vetmeasure.com, that's the first place I would send them. As far as contacting us, there's a button that they can, when they open the webpage, they can connect with us there with the live chat. And then the info at vetmeasure.com would be the email address that we would recommend. So info at vetmeasure.com. Yes. And our marketing intern would not be a fan if she knew that we didn't advertise our social media sites. So follow us on all social media. She would really appreciate it. She works very hard to make everyone's day with lots of dog pictures. (laughs) But I just had to say that too. For sure. Absolutely. And again, we'll link to that. If you're looking for more dog pictures, we got you there. Also, if you want to learn about what Kevin, Sydney, and the team are up to, I think it makes sense to explore it. And I'm sure there could be some good conversations around taking the harness for a test, understanding what the value that could be. So yeah, thanks for listening. And Kevin, Sydney, thank you so much for sharing what you're up to and, and the work that you're doing in the space. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should consult your team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincere Wealth Management. Isaiah is registered in the state of Indiana, California, Texas. The biggest compliment you can give to this podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is the platform that predominantly is how people listen to the show. If you have three to five minutes, you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review. That'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information, insights, and have the ability for your voice to be heard and interact with show guests, join the private Facebook group. You can go to the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where it says about your host and then click on the Facebook icon. That'll bring you into the Facebook group. 
I'll approve you. You'll be in. And then I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and anything that you'd like to see added to the show. So with all that, thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.